Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Flower, back with another East Tennessee Fishing Report with Ellis Ward. How you doing, Ellis? I'm doing well this morning, Marvio. I'm just trying to stay out of trouble, and uh, we were joking that you should probably not quit your day job and become a meteorologist because you've got some uncharacteristically chilly weather in your area that you didn't expect. Uncharacteristically bad foresight a month and a half ago saying it wouldn't be below freezing. Yeah, there was frost on the ground this morning. Yeah. And there, you know, the night before, next couple nights are, are 30s. Yeah, which is going to kind of put things in a bit of a funk, right? Yeah, I, th- I think one, I'm not going to go too far on this metaphor, but one man's funk is another man's, it, it's going to do something bad to some fish and it's going to, you know, light up some sections of the river or lake or um, bait in, in other ways. Got it. And and, uh, and so, you know, in terms of the turning on, turning off, what should folks expect to see? Yeah, so on the on the trout streams, and and this is the time of year where my my days and my brain and attention span are are even more scattered than they are normally. Um, but but I do kind of break things down between the trout streams and other. So the aquatic insect um we're looking at the tail end of the caddis hatch i I think a lot of folks would qualify it as over maybe a week ago but um that's just not the case it it can be tough but you got to understand that these these fish are not eating the duns they'll occasionally eat an elk hair caddis but it's because you have a, a nice little leggy cylindrical profile that looks like a pupa hanging down into the water with your deer hair floating it. Um, so I, I, I would encourage everyone who's able to fish this area in the next couple of days to um, start early, you know, go out late um, and, and get creative with how you're approaching your 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 drifts i'll call them or your presentations so the the fish the caddis eat is it's violent and they're eating a moving bug it's something that is swimming almost at the speed of the current trying to get up and out of the water so if you're able to move whatever it is you have i've got them on pheasant tails um i have a little caddis pupa that does well for me um if you're seeing them eat like that and you can you can hit them kind of right on the head and, and move that fly, whatever it is. Um, I, I would, so I would say that's your best opportunity to get a, a pretty good fish uh, when otherwise they're, they're not going to eat a, a dead drift. Um, the sulfurs are starting to go and PMDs, whatever you want to call them, the, the 16 to 18 yellow bugs and as this is happening there's just a fuzz of tiny bugs you know the too small to tie too small to fish type bugs but um that's just to to point to the fact that there's so much food in the system right now that even when we get shocked for a few days the the lake above us is uh pretty insulated and it was hot 
it was it was 80s and high sun and we haven't had any releases for a couple weeks so the water was warming up um you know relative to the tailwater and it's not that the we're begging for a low 30s nights in late april but it certainly doesn't hurt anything and it, it keeps that that water um at a, a, a comfortable temperature and, and kind of cools down the rocks that have been baking so um that the, the caddis stuff is it's not really gonna accentuate the the fizzle out it was kind of already on the tail end um and then the days are are pretty warm they're they're upper 60s low 70s with full sun so those sulfurs are going to get going um midday to you know into the evening and non-trout streams a couple cold snaps in lakes that are warming up to the point where striper are moving um as striper are moving there's a bunch of theories around this one the bait is the bait's moving too. the bait the little little shad they don't like that lake warming up any more than the stripers do and so we'll, we'll see them up in the i'll see them pretty far up into the Watauga. Um, Lower South Holston is, um, there's a couple zones where you might see them, but um, yeah, both both ends, that bait's starting to get towards the the mouths of the tailwaters. And when that happens and they get hit with a 30 degree night, a lot of them are going to get shocked. So if you're able to get out early the next few days and, and poke around at some of those river mouths, you may see some dying shag getting eaten. But that goes for the entire area. Um, the, those All the, the reservoirs that have a, a giant population of shad and striper, they'll get shocked and sucked into generators and and push through dams so that's i mean that's all of the tva system so there's a lot happening right now a lot's been happening in the last couple of weeks and um yeah cold snap can do some fun things yeah and that sort of answered logan's question which was the water to target for the big white bass as they're moving up is there i guess anything you can add to what you just said we kind of understand that the the, the bait's moving up uh out of the lakes, so that's where the fish are going to be but any kind of targeting suggestions to maybe target some of the bigger stripers or you just have to get out there and fish them? Yeah, I, I would say you need to, you need to go fish the there's, there's publicly available information on certain areas uh, where you're more likely to, to find them. Um, but the, you know, mouths of rivers into the reservoirs and then below dams of of reservoirs or pieces of of water that are known to hold stripers those are the best options and then of course if you can get out early or late and and look for bait getting blown apart on the surface yeah. put your fly there yeah i got it and you know we're, we're doing a two for today so we've got a really interesting you and i were talking before we started recording a really interesting uh fishing from a drift boat question from bruce and kind of to unpack his question it's really about uh bruce doesn't fish out of a drift boat a lot 
um, and is having, I think, uh, sounds like issues with accuracy and distance and basically, um, I guess, pace in terms of, you know, hitting the spots uh, fast enough before he floats past them. And so there's a lot of stuff there to talk about. You, you know, you can kick it off and I can chime in. Sure. So I start off every trip with mostly with new anglers with you know folks i fish with once or twice i'll give them some reminders and regulars we're kind of going at speed but i i go through a bunch of stuff and i get feedback from them and then we go so that's just a point to the fact that when you're out fishing when you're out fishing streamers when you're out working water it is not done in isolation i'm not rowing the boat in a way that i would just always row it and you're not fishing based on just the water um there's boat speed there's distance to the bank so assuming he's being either rowed by a guide rowed by a friend i'm not sure um i I would encourage a either a a strong conversation about how that relationship works and expectations around it. Because if he's concerned about missing or, or accuracy or all this other stuff, um, I mean, this is just a part that's so near and dear to my heart. Um, part of the guide's job description and responsibility and, and why you call yourself a guide is is to do certain things. Maybe it's roll a little closer to the bank, all that other stuff. Um, they, they can start to get someone closer to confidence. And then you, then you start getting accuracy and then you start getting line speed and distance and all that. So the first thing I would say is, is have a conversation with whoever's rowing your boat about expectations. And if you're missing shots, um, you know, re- recognize that the next shot's going to be, pretty good too um as as far as accuracy again there's just there's so much here that i don't know but if it's 50 60 foot casts um you know maybe maybe it's getting things down closer to 20 or 30 and, and skipping over water you know rowing through water that might might require bigger casts but um yeah the 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 big thing here is not being so hard on yourself for missing shots or or not having the accuracy down because it's a it's a team sport out there. Yeah, and I mean it's an interesting. I mean, you know, it's what I would say is uh, particularly if you're fishing with someone new um, on the guide front, and this applies. You know, you said streamer, but it's really true for indicator, dry fly, whatever you're doing. You know, one thing that helps is, you know, uh, and this happens more, I think, probably on salt than freshwater, but guides will say, you know, show me 40 feet, right? And then they know what you think 40 feet is, right? And then they adjust throughout the day because they know that's what you think 40 feet means, right? So you might say, give it a little bit more or take it a little bit back. And then I would say, you know, fishing in a river uh, as opposed to on salt, the clock face is not as important, but, you know, to your point, you know, there's a fair amount, usually a fair amount of communication, right? Cause you're fishing and you're watching your drift and usually, uh, whoever's on the sticks is going to say, okay, you've got X, you know, downstream in 10 feet. And I want you to be able to, um, 
you, you know, hit that spot next. Right. Yeah. And, and hit it at Y, you know, five feet upstream and, yeah. And let's, and let's go over that right now. Uh, but you, Marv, your example right there is, was perfect and something that Bruce could probably take to whoever he's fishing with of, you know, let's, let's go, let's go through a, a little simulation of what does 40 feet look like. Yeah. And and I would say too, you know, uh, on the distance thing, I mean, you know, there's so many things that, uh, you know, a good oarsman can do for you in terms of holding the boat, right. Slowing down the drift, um, to your point, you know, if you need to chop 10 feet off a streamer cast, you know, what that really means is you're just you got 10 feet of less water you're presenting your flies to, but it doesn't mean you're out of the game, right? That's right. Um, and then you and I were talking about kind of how to hit the spots. And I think the, I would say the goal would be to probably, I don't know, starting out, Bruce, I would say if you can cast 30 feet without false casting or maybe one false cast. Cause I think part of, you know, what you really need to do, let's kind of put sinking lines and all that craziness to the side for a second and wait and how, how that makes life difficult. But, you know, if you can pick your cast up and basically put it right back down, um, that's going to work a whole lot better for you. Right. And, um, you know, one of the great things about fishing out of a drift boat is you can, you have a little bit of, space to be a little bit sloppier because you're not blowing a spot by, you know, lifting your, your fly off the water the wrong way. So you have a little bit more room for error. Um, and then, you know, LSU and I were talking before in terms of accuracy, I mean, practicing is great, but I think the biggest thing out of a boat is, you know, look where you want your flies to go. And that's about the, the best kind of hack I know because it's going to get your shoulders turned in the right way. And your body is, you know, built whether you, you know, you're hammering nails or throwing a baseball for that hmm. type of, uh, you know, heuristic, basically. Yeah. Um, look, look at your spot. Keep your eye on the ball. And when you find a place where you want your fly to go, make sure it gets there. So put put some steam on it a splat right where you want your fly to be is a in my experience not just an okay thing that's ideal so the the there's a whole you know casting philosophy around this but line speed when you develop line speed and you're able to get a cast that rolls out with no wiggle in it there's no s it's a straight line dry flies, whatever it is. Once you're there, you can start to incorporate other stuff because your fly is going exactly where you want it to go. So finding out where it is that you're going to go and you're not, you're not lobbing it in there and having your line, you know, land with a bunch of S's in it. You're putting that thing down. So yes, I, I on the ball and I, I told you, Marv, I'm going to steal that one. Um, where should I, where should I be looking? We'll, we'll, you know, where should I cast? Pick a place where it looks like you should put a fly. Yeah. And, and to your point, once you kind of iron the cast out to basically get it straight, you know, that allows you to reach reach men up, upstream. I mean, it allows you to do a lot of things that... Uh, it, it opens up so much. Yeah, because it allows you, Bruce, then to... You know, the, the advantage of being in the drift boat and particularly being in the front is you can get really long drifts. And you can present the fly uh, well ahead of the fish. And once you can do that, it allows you to 
basically get all the benefits you have of waiting in a stream where you can basically get your fly and your line in the lane so that there's no drag, right? Particularly if you're, and it makes it easier, your oarsman will appreciate it because he doesn't have to back row all day, right? So, uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, anything else you want to add, Ellis, before we uh, we move on? Uh, yeah, like a couple hours or days worth of conversation around this. This this is a really important one, so uh, I, I'm sure we'll touch on more. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, folks, we love questions on the Articulate Fly. You can email them to us, and we thank everyone that hit us up on Instagram. You seem to like the stories. You can send them to us on social media. And if we use your question, I will send you some Articulate Fly swag. And we will enter in a drawing for two days of fishing with Ellis and a night at the Watauga River Lodge. And Ellis, before I let you go out and uh, do some recon and chase some carp, you want to let folks know where they can find you so they can book in fish with you? Yes, sir. Um, Instagram is a good place, at Ellis Ward Guides. My website is elliswardfishing.com. And the best way to get more information, have a conversation about casting, book a trip, is just reaching out directly on my cell phone at 513-543-0019. Well, there you go. Well, listen, folks, you owe it to yourself to get out there and catch a few. Tight lines, everybody. Tight lines, Ellis. Appreciate it, Marv.